Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. I want to uh, give God thanks for his marvelous grace and the fact that God God thinks about us constantly and from eternity. Uh, We are part uh, of God's magnificent plan. And his plan for us is centered in Christ Jesus, his son. So that awareness is used in the scripture of, that is, of who we are and whose we are. It is used in the scripture to, as a stabilizing truth and as a truth that provides hope. And we live in days wherein we need to focus on the hope that we find in the Word of God. And I say that because uh, we live in days that that are very dangerous, very toxic, and that are disconcerting. And distressing, let me say. And so uh, it is imperative that you learn to, or if you are doing this, your mind stayed on Jesus. Uh, Because if you do that, uh, your heart will not be filled with anxiety and you will not lapse into uh, depression. And in this case, I'm talking about an existential depression. So please understand the, that it is imperative to have your heart centered in Christ. Now, this means that you will need to study the Word of God. You will need to pray. You will need to praise so that you will have, uh, you can obtain the victory that overcomes the world. And according to the scripture, uh, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. And the object of our faith is not human government, not human institutions. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. And so I want to begin there uh, because events are unfolding at a rapid pace. Many of the events that are happening, we will never see immediately. Uh, We will have or we will be provided a a somewhat of an, an awareness of what 
the, the real events are that are going on, that is the, the kinetic events that we're not a part of, uh, we will, they will impact our lives in some way. And so that is my emphasis uh, and, uh, in this show today. Now, uh, the title of this show is uh, Who is the King of Tyre in Ezekiel 28, 11-17? Who is the King of Tyre? And so if we have time, uh, I'm going to be also looking into Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, because they, these are companion, uh, uh, Isaiah provides a companion prophecy to what goes is going on in Ezekiel 28. So with that, let's have a word of prayer, and we will begin our study for this morning. We do thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to meet with your saints in order to study your word. We pray, Lord for the saints that around the world that listen and are part of this of this this family. And so we we pray that you will provide us with uh, understanding of your word through the uh the power of the spirit. We pray that you would open our understanding, Lord, and we know that if uh if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> One other thing that I want to emphasize is the fact that uh, we are saints. We are the saints of God. We are set aside unto God. And so there is a positional sanctification, sanctification that we have in Christ. But then there is also uh, a, a, the practice uh, of sanctification or a, a praxis. So that is, uh, we we have a growing awareness of our uh, of who we are in Christ uh, within, and so we need to practice uh, in growing in in our awareness of our sanctified position in Christ. I'm really passionate about this because uh, we cannot merely focus on man and what he is doing. And we cannot place our confidence in an arm of flesh. So if you read uh, Jeremiah, he will talk about, he talks about, uh, that God says, "Cursed is a man that trusts in an arm of flesh," and so uh, believe the Scripture, believe what God says. If you believe the Word of God, then your soul is going to be stabilized uh, in the midst uh, of trying times. Uh, they will they will test you. These times are here to test us, uh, so that uh, the the quality of our faith uh, will not be revealed to God as such, but the quality of our faith will be revealed to ourselves. We will see uh, beyond the bravado, beyond the uh, the compelling uh, Christian like speech. 
what our, uh, is really going on in our hearts, we will be able to see our strength and our stability. And when that is revealed, we should gather wisdom and the, it should, we should learn that I need to get, I need to get serious with my Lord uh, in order to redeem the times because the days are evil. The days are evil. So uh, we live in Paneros days, uh, very dangerous uh, days. And governmental powers, uh, for instance, uh, governmental powers want to consolidate into a one-world government. Uh, there was a meeting at, at Davos, Switzerland, in which uh, the, the the people who attended this meeting, uh, who are part of the World Economic Council, these people openly talked about uh, calling. Uh, the human population uh, by the mid uh, 2030s uh, they want uh, to destroy much of mankind now that may not seem real but these people are very serious about decimating uh, the human uh, the human race. I'm just going to use that term. These people are very serious. And this is their reality. This is the reality of, of the satanic uh, cosmic system. This is their plan. And uh, their plan is, a, is an inversion of the plan of God. God says, and we read in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. Uh, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, that is judge, but that the world, the cosmic system through him might be saved, might be saved. God wants to rescue the uh, the people at Davos uh, wants to ruin or destroy. Um, and so if you listen carefully, if you watch, I don't recommend watching all of their speeches, but you, but there is an inherent arrogance in their language. Listen carefully to the arrogance and uh, how they will use technologies, uh, not in order to heal, but in order to enslave humanity. Remember the inversion, the inversion. Uh, they have nanotechnology. They have 5G. They have technologies uh, that are incredible at their disposal that they, that they will use uh, at some point uh, against humanity. So uh, we're going to be taking a, a look this morning into uh, biblical prophecy. Uh, and so what is, uh, what is 
a, a prophet. And according to the, the Bible, um, uh, the, the prophet, uh, his main ministry uh, is to speak uh, to the king who was the, the leader of God, God's leader over his people, so that uh, God's people would know his will for their lives through the king. The Nabi was sent uh, to speak, thus saith the Lord, to the people of God, including the king. So uh, the prophet was the voice of God. And the, uh, in, in the Old Testament, the uh, prophecy is divided between uh, the, the oral prophets or the non-writing prophets, and then, uh, then uh, we have what we call the literary or the, the, the writing prophets. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they had the same mission from God. So uh, prophecy has to do, well, a, a very uh, simplistic understanding of prophecy is uh, the, the uh, prophecy contains the immediate element that speaks to the present, and it has a, a predictive element that, that speaks to the future. So but when you look very closely at, at, at the study of the prophet, uh, we find that his or her message reveals that he is deeply involved in the life and death of his own nation. We will see this in both Isaiah and Ezekiel. And I mentioned those two because we're going to take a look at, at those two books. So he speaks about the king and his idolatrous practices. And uh, so the prophet instructs the people uh, about what God is doing. There's always this, this corrective uh, element in prophecy because God's people needed constant correction because they would deviate from uh, their calling. They would deviate from uh, the appropriate uh, occupation, uh, their appropriate occupation is with God. They would deviate from that. And so the prophet would uh, say, look, uh, merch, he, would, he would speak to merchants who would use false balances or the judge who would favor the rich and give no justice to the poor. Uh, the prophet addressed greedy women who would drive their husbands to evil practices so that they can bask in luxury. So uh, it is God's message to his people, uh, once again, and the king who rules in his place. It is a message of judgment because, once again, God's people are, in, are constantly in need of correction. But finally, uh, Prophecy is a me message of hope. Why? Because Yahweh will not break his covenant 
and he will complete his redemptive purpose for his people. In spite of the plans of people, of men, of power, men of darkness, uh, in spite of these uh, these hidden secret uh, cults and their their machinations, their imaginations, their spells, their conjuring, their desire to open portals so that uh, demonic spirits would enter into this plane or this sphere, uh, they don't have to do that because. We read in the book of Job uh, that the heavens are not clean in God's sight. And so there is not this division between the natural and the supernatural. That's a false dichotomy that is not found in the scripture. In fact, there is this uh, dynamic interpenetration of let the supernatural and the natural, although you don't find those words in the scripture. So there, there is this interpenetration. And uh, we see during the public ministry of Jesus that uh, the unclean spirits, the demonic spirits, knew him. Art thou come to judge us before the time? And so they know Jesus. They know who he is. He is God incarnate. They knew him. So, uh, and we read certain things in the New Testament uh, about the, the power of the devil to create physical abnormalities, physical uh, illness, physical maladies, physical pain, and also to derange uh, Satan and his evil hordes had the power to derange the mind or the mentality. And so we see this split in the human personality uh, in the, the, the gathering demoniac, who, if you read carefully uh, that account, the 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 vocal cords of this demonized person were controlled by this demonic uh, presence. The man could speak at some point, but then the the demon would take over, or the demons the demons would take over. So uh, there, and this man was was incredibly powerful. So uh, the demonic powers augmented. Augmented his physical strength. So these these are realities that Jesus faced during his public ministry. These things have not disappeared. I want to begin uh, with in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a very important uh, uh, prophecy for us. He is an eighth century prophet, and um, so. Ezekiel spent 22 years preaching to the exiles, and uh, he talked about uh, his his word was the the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord happened to me. Um, so 
uh, he wanted or God used him to teach his people his will uh, during a very difficult time. So in Ezekiel 28, uh, I'm going to begin at verse 11. And so here's a, here's a, there's, this is the prophecy against the king of Tyre. Well, I'm going to start at verse 1. Quote, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a man and not a God, though you think you are as wise as a God. Are you wiser than Daniel? Is no secret hidden from you? By your wisdom and understanding, you have gained wealth for yourself and amassed gold and silver in your treasuries. By your great skill in trading, you have increased your wealth, and because of your wealth, your heart has grown uh, proud. Listen very carefully to the language and uh, what is going on in the heart of, uh, of the king of Tyre. Now, according uh, – so, so history tells us that uh, this particular king or prince ruler of the city is Ithobel II. I-T-H-O-B-A-A-L, Isabel II. And so uh, let me go on. Let me continue reading. So, and notice what happened, uh, what created this, uh, this, this idolatrous uh, preoccupation with self. It is pride. Because of wealth, and please note the create uh, note the connection. Uh, this connection remains uh, with people who have wealth, and and uh, notice the notice the pride. Notice the pride, uh, and let me go on. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says: Because you think you are wise. And as wise as a god, I am going to bring foreigners against you, the most ruthless of nations. They will draw their swords against your beauty and wisdom and pierce your shining splendor. They will bring you down to the pit, and you will die a violent death in the heart of the seas. Will you then say, I am a god? In the presence of those who kill you, you will be but a man, not a god, in the hands of those who slay you. You will die the death of the uncircumcised at the hands of foreigners. I have spoken, declares the sovereign Lord. Now, you, uh, I want you to see that uh, there's, there is man's plan. There is man's understanding. I want you to see the 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 pathology 
the spiritual pathology that is inherent uh, in the human condition. And uh, so here we have uh, uh, Isabel II, uh, to whom God is speaking. And and then uh, Ezekiel goes from talking about Isabel II and uh, his spiritual pathology then he moves out from there. This uh, he launches off from there, and he takes up a funeral dirge, beginning in verse eleven. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, a lament concerning the king of Tyre. Say, say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. So now I want you to see where the the prophecy has moved on to another plane. And so uh, notice that God says of the king of Tyre, he was... What? The model of perfection, complete in wisdom, perfect or complete in beauty. You were Eden, the the garden of God. Now, so we know that now he has moved from speaking to about a historical king to another being. Who was in the garden of God? besides the man and his wife. Who was there with them? Well, uh, Ezekiel says, the king of Tyre. Let me go on. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. So that entity that appeared in Eden in Genesis 3 was beautiful. He was beautifully adorned. There... Uh, and, and so, and notice uh, in verse 12, he was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So whom did Eve see? Whom did she behold? So whom she saw was not the devil the cartoonish devil, a a being with horns and a, 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 a tail, and that's red. No, she didn't see that. She saw a being that was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty and incredibly adorned. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Now, So verse 
And notice at the end of verse 13, uh, your settings were and mountains were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. So the word created here is bara, and bara is used in the scripture only to speak of the creative activity of God, only in relationship to God. And so in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, we, uh, in the beginning, God created. It is bara. And so he, uh, he, so Isaiah, excuse me, Ezekiel here is speaking of the creative activity of Yahweh and whom this being is. You were the anointed, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. So, the devil is not an angel. In uh, in Genesis, in the Old Testament, we have the word cherub or cherubim, uh, which is the plural. And so here, this is another order of spirit being. Isaiah will speak about the burners or the seraphs. They are called the burners. They are directly associated with associated with the holiness of God. So. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence, and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. So we read about the uh, king of Tyre that his heart was lifted up, because of his wealth. And here, the, this, uh, this guardian cherub, his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. And so what are we being given here? We are being given a picture of the origin of sin. So on account of your beauty, your heart uh, was lifted up and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a skull of you before kings. So this is a. So we need to understand. Well, who is this? Uh, who is this king of Tyre? The reference here is to whom? It is to the Nakash in, in Genesis chapter three, the shining one. It is a reference to none other than, uh, than, than Satan. It is a reference to the devil. So, uh, but I want you also to see uh, that this, uh, the, we're given the knowledge of the spiritual power behind the, the Tyrian king, or the Tyrian king, of uh, that is the power that energized 
uh, energize him in the realm of human government. So Satan and his demons have a have a notable role in this sphere. Daniel, so read Daniel ten thirteen and Ephesians uh, six twelve. The Bible speaks about the world rulers of this present darkness. So the the devil is the inspirer and the energizer uh, and the invisible dynamic behind uh, the godless, proud rule of the world government systems. So here we have Satan uh, portrayed in his un fall in the state, and then we go to Isaiah 14, 12 through uh, 14, uh, then we have a vision of the, uh, the entrance of sin into a sinless universe and Satan's fall. So uh, we have the pride, pomp, and the arrogation of deity, which belongs to God alone, uh, as what? Here, speaking of the king of Tyre. And also in Isaiah, Isaiah addresses uh, the king of Babylon in the same manner. So uh, what we have here are illustrations of the coming uh, Antichrist, the king of Tyre. And the last day, God-defying ruler of the satanic world system before its destruction at the second advent of Christ in Revelation 18, a one through uh, 18, one and through uh, Revelation 19:16. So, uh, through prophecy, God is through historical figures. God is giving us a picture of what is to come in the future, what the world is is going to uh, experience. That is the Christ-rejecting world, uh, the world that refuses to acknowledge who God is and to fall in line with, his, with God's will for their lives. That is a world uh, in rebellion and not in passive rebellion, but a world that is an active rebellion against God. So uh, – when we turn to Isaiah 14, uh, verse 1, I'm going to read on. Isaiah 14, 1, quote, The Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. Aliens will join them and unite with the house of Jacob. Nations will uh, take them and bring them to their own place. And the house of Israel will possess the nations as men's servants and maidservants in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. On the day the Lord gives you relief from suffering and turmoil, this is a wonderful prophecy, and cruel bondage, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. Now, let me stop here at this part where he talks about cruel bondage. Uh, you know, there's some very dark sins that are going on in Israel this day. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Netanyahu uh, in length or talk about 
who he is or what he has been in Israel, but uh, and his government. But there have been some really terrible things going on in in Israel, and and believe me, Yeshua Hamashiach, uh, the true King of, of Judah and of Israel, sees what is going on uh, in the land of his people. So when Isaiah talks about cruel bondage. Uh, there's going to be some things revealed about what is happening over there now uh, that, that God's, going to, God's going to take his people out from under, as it were. So how the oppressor has come to an end, how his fury has ended. Now, please understand that in this prophecy, uh, this prophecy is about the last days, and it is about the Antichrist. John, First John, writes about Antichrists, plural, that were extant in his day. But then he is here talking about the one last super arrogant uh, figure, the Antichrist. So, how the oppressor has come to an end, speaking about the Antichrist, how his fury has ended. Listen to the language. The Lord has broken the rod of the wicked. Please read Psalm 2. The scepter of the rulers, which in anger struck down peoples with unceasing blows and in fury subdued nations. Listen to the language with with relentless aggression. All the lands are at rest and at peace. They break into singing. Why? Because God will take them out from under the abuse of the Antichrist. Even the pine trees and the cedars of Lebanon exalt over you and say, now that you have been laid low, no woodsman comes to cut us down. The grave below is all astir to meet you at your coming. He is speaking of the end. He is speaking of the judgment of the Antichrist. It rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you. All those who were leaders in the world, it makes them rise from their thrones. All those who are kings over the nations, they will all respond. They will say to you, you also have become weak as we are. You have become like us. The departed spirits are addressing the Antichrist in his judgment. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your hearts. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. This is the destiny, the pre-written destiny of the Antichrist. He is going to be clothed in worms because of the malignant nature of what he did to the peoples of the earth. How have you fallen, verse 12, from heaven? O morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth. You 
who once laid low the nation. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned in the mount of the uh, in the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Notice the pathology, the 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 aberration of of arrogance. I will make myself like the most high. Here's a, is, is a disease of pride. Arrogance is a manifestation of the disease of pride. But you, that is those who greet the Antichrist, but you have been brought down to the grave, shale, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. Uh, they ponder your fate. Your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a desert? Listen, listen very carefully. Uh, if you read the judgments and in Revelation, you will see what these what these people are going to do to this planet. What they're going to do to the world. Is this the man that made the world a desert? There are those who believe and who have taught that God is going to allow his church, his redeemed, his bride to experience the horrors of the tribulation. That is antithetical to the love of God. That is antithetical to the grace of God. For God has what? God has not appointed us to wrath, obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have not been appointed to wrath. Jesus suffered the wrath of God on our behalf when he hung on the tree. Do not diminish, do not take away from the, 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 the power of the cross. These people have taught that the church must go through the tribulation period in order to be cleaned, to be cleansed. I have never read that in the word of God. I have never read that. Is this the man who made the world a desert, who overthrew its cities, and would not let his captives go home. Doesn't this remind you of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, Pharaoh uh, Ramesses, who would, not, who would not let the people of God go? He would not let them go. And so God moved in with judgment. The people of God were redeemed with power out of Egypt. Listen, God's church will be redeemed with power out of the satanic world system. We will be redeemed with power. We will redeem from the power of sin through the cross. All the kings of the nations lie in state, each in his own tomb, but you are cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch. You are covered with the slain, with those pierced by the sword. Those who descend to the stones of the pit, 
like a corpse trampled underfoot. You will not join them in burial, for you have destroyed your land and killed your people. The end of the Antichrist is what he deserves. He brought into the world horrific crimes, and he will pay for that in eternal flames of woe. But as the people of God, you have the blessed hope, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.